Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back everybody to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. I'm Daniel, the co-host. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Jason Jacobson. Jason is both the managing director of Founder Institute, as well as the founder and managing partner of Propellant Ventures. So welcome, Jason. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Give us the, the quick skinny elevator pitch, both on Founder Institute and Propellant. Happy to. So Propellant Ventures is a seed stage venture capital fund. We invest in pre-seed and early seed B2B technology-enabled businesses based in the Midwest. We believe there's a funding gap in the Midwest, and we invest earlier than most VCs. And so we also believe that Midwest is an underrepresented area in terms of early-stage capital. So that is our focus. And Founder Institute is something I've been running the Chicago chapter for about 12 years. It started out of Silicon Valley about 14 years ago. It is a pre-seed technology accelerator. It's a curriculum-based program. We assist founders in building and launching companies. And so I run the Chicago chapter. And that's all tech-focused as well. That is fantastic. Just, I mean, I'm super interested in both, but especially with what you've built at Founder Institute and what you just described. I think you've been, you know, walking, you've been in the trenches, walking with founders and entrepreneurs for, for many years. So just excited about the sage wisdom that, that you'll bring today. So that's awesome. So tell me more about kind of your background and then what, what was it that got you or gave you the itch for entrepreneurship to, to get into Founder Institute? Um, like what was it that made you step out? Yeah. So when I graduated from college many years ago, it, I was, and then really started in college. I went to University of Wisconsin, came to Chicago to start my career in the real estate space. And I was big into building relationships, even in college, got involved with student organizations. And so I had a network built. So by the time I came to Chicago, I already had a, a lot of people I knew because many people I knew came to Chicago to work in real estate. And so I, I found early on relationship building is pretty important for business. And this is around the tech boom, late 90s, early 2000s. And I, I got tired of just sitting behind a desk, crunching numbers in the real estate career that I was starting. And I started getting involved with entrepreneur events and started understanding some of the needs entrepreneurs have, whether it's raising capital, connecting them, connecting to strategic partners, all kinds of resources they need. And, and I started building all these relationships and realized that, hey, I can start helping these entrepreneurs. And so I, I made the switch around that time to work for a firm that was at the time a matchmaker between entrepreneurs and investors, one of the early online matchmakers. This was in 2000. And even though entrepreneurs come to you and say they need capital, there's so much more they need. Capital may be the starting point, but I started connecting entrepreneurs to different people, started holding events, started start, actually had a newsletter, started as a way to stay in front of people. This was before LinkedIn um, for the most part. And I found a way to stay in touch with people. And one thing led to the other. I started finding myself really on the front lines supporting entrepreneurs with some of these economic development programs in the Chicago area and started helping companies raise capital, connect them to all these resources. And there is a satisfaction for me as uh, providing a resource for people and, and helping them out. And that's something that 
I'm a, a pay it forward type of person and entrepreneurs can always use help. And, you know, they don't have time necessarily to build those relationships as much as they probably need to. So they, you know, they, they sometimes they approach me and I help where I can. And so I was doing all these things. And you know, about 12 years ago, I found out about Founder Institute that they wanted to come to Chicago. At the time, it was only about two, two years old. They were only had, they had under 20 chapters. They were started out Silicon Valley. And I was able to convince them or that, I don't know if convince is the right word, but I, I could demonstrate that there was a need for this program in Chicago. So I, I proved it to them. And fast forward 12 years later, now we're launching our 17th cohort in Chicago. And at the time we were in the first 20 cities. Now it's in over 200 cities around the world. So I coincidentally, I'm the longest standing conti- continuous director in the entire ecosystem. There's 200 plus of us, probably 400. And uh, so I, so it's something that I'm passionate about. And my way to support the ecosystem, it's volunteer for me. I'm providing resource and it was also allowed me to bring my network together. I had a network of uh, tech founders who came in as mentors and it's grown because of that. And it really gives me a good seat at the table in the ecosystem to uh, be able to support entrepreneurs and have a, a reason also to connect with other entrepreneurs to bring into the program. So we have a lot of who's who in the Chicago area, but we also have people throughout the Midwest and if, that are mentors. And some of our founders now are, are also throughout outside of the Illinois area because it's we have a virtual program now. But for me, it was a way really to bring all that together and to support ecosystem, build the network, and then also the network I had allow them to support the ecosystem. So it's kind of this full circle. And coincidentally, now that we have a fund, this is separate, but Propellant Ventures is invested in one of the mentor companies and one of our graduate companies. So wasn't Anticipating launching a fund 12 years ago or when I launched Chicago chapter, but it's now kind of feeds the funnel. So it's, uh, it's for me, it's pretty interesting. So I enjoy it. And, you know, it's uh, don't have any, don't have plans to stop doing it. So, yeah, that is fantastic. So talk, talk more about that, the why behind propellant. I mean, there's, there's a lot of VCs, a lot of funds out there that, entrepreneurs can tap into it sounds like you specifically felt like the midwest and midwest startups were underserved in that arena but talk more about that yeah absolutely so throughout the 20 plus years i've been supporting entrepreneurs i've a big part of it as i mentioned before is helping them raise capital so i've built a lot of relationships with investors angel investors vcs in the region heavily in the chicago area but it's 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 beyond that and for me, it was, a, it was a logical next step in my career is to support these entrepreneurs. And I officially got into venture capital about seven years ago. I was at a fund, a family of funds, in particular, the one I was at, Bascom Ventures, is is for focus on investing in companies led by University of Wisconsin alumni. And that's where I went to school. I also, our LPs are also alums. And so that was my first foray into it. And uh, I let all due diligence, source deals, source a little capital. We did a lot of deals in the time I was there. And that was industry stage and geographic agnostic. So we did do some Midwest investing, but it wasn't solely focused on it. So when I left that firm, I really doubled down on where I saw the funding gap in the Midwest region, which is pre-seed and early seed. A lot of those deals are done by angels. A lot of VCs don't come into that at that level. And so really wanted to find a, a way to 
professionalize those rounds a little bit more and be one of the first VCs on the cap table. So it was a way for me to really take what I've done to support entrepreneurs to the next level. So investing in the companies to me is the ultimate assistance that I could do for these companies other than, of course, helping them find revenue is important, but, but raising, investing in these companies was a logical step for my career path and really how I want to support entrepreneurs. And so Midwest historically, and, and really almost any region outside the, the West Coast and East Coast, but specifically Midwest, it's a pretty big region. Chicago is, is, the, is, a, is a big bulk of it, but it's, we look all throughout the Midwest. We've invested in Illinois slash Chicago area companies also out of Iowa. You know, we're looking all over. And we have new funds that have launched for sure. We have some seed stage funds, some that go in the pre-seed, but we need more. We don't have enough capital. We need more funds in this region. So yeah, there's other funds that launched before us. Uh, but it doesn't matter because we need more funds. There's need more capital sources. We also zeroed in on what we believe is the strength for the region, which is the B2B sector. So throughout the region, B2B is much bigger than B2C. And B2B is a little more predictable. And you know, there's a lot of times it's a current revenue model. So we focus on the B- B2B technology uh, as well because we have a lot of industries, insurance, real estate, all these industries in this region that have been impacted by innovation. And there's a lot of great opportunities. Plus, we have a lot of headquarters, insurance industry. We've got a lot of headquarters in the region as one example. And we feel that there's, it's a good uh, area to invest in, you know, just in general across those industries. And the other thing is the Midwest region has more reasonable valued companies. That is a, a big selling point for us to want to invest in the Midwest because a company here may be much higher valued on the West Coast or East Coast. And so it's also something that is a big part of why we like this region, but, but it gets deeper than that for me. I just want to, I've wanted to support, I continue to want to support founders in this region. So having a fund to me is really that next level. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And yeah, just being that we're in similar spaces. I mean, I'm headquartered in one of those markets that, you know, you're investing in, you know, it's, I, I see that for sure. And so it's, I'm just glad to know that you're, you have that focus and you have people around you that have that focus. So tell me more about that passion for, for founders. Like as you've reflected on, you know, supporting people, I mean, that's a pretty distinct, I, I I wouldn't, I may go as far as, as far to say like a calling of like, you find some purpose in that. And so reflect on that a little bit. Where did that come from for you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. My entire life has been around helping people. And it started in college. My brother was involved in student organizations. He's three years ahead of me in school. And he found the benefit of relationship building early on, even after his freshman year. But he instilled it in me as a freshman. And he got me involved with the student organization that he started. He was a senior. I was a freshman. got me involved in a group. And, and then I started... I got, you know, I, I learned early on I wanted to get a real estate major. So I was involved with the real estate club at University of Wisconsin. And that's very socially oriented. And I started building these relationships early on. But my brother put the, the, the seed in me to, to start doing this. And then as I saw the relationships I built through the, the real estate club, and then I came to Chicago, I had a pretty good network. And as I was starting to meet entrepreneurs, I, 
I just realized I needed help and started connecting people together. And it's just been something I've been doing ever since. And most of the opportunities in my life, whether you know, I've been hired by someone for a full-time job or maybe a consulting role or whatever, advisor or whatever, it's been through relationships. And so the power relationships are super important. That's the biggest asset you can have because you can take that wherever you're at. No one can take that away from you. So for me, that's the biggest part, biggest asset I believe I can bring to the table. So when I launched Propellant Ventures, had a pretty good starting point of investors to talk to and a network of founders. And same thing with Founder Institute, had a good starting point. So, so I believe that if anyone comes to me with a, a request or an introduction, that a good chance I can probably find someone for that person to talk to just because I've built a pretty diverse network. Can't guarantee it 100%, but I will at least, I never just say no. And I always try to find a resource. If I don't have someone for that person to talk to, I may guide them and put them somewhere else but or point them in another direction. But for me, there's satisfaction behind it. I've been doing this for 25 years plus now, and it's just part of who I am. And I enjoy connecting people together and you know helping people become more successful. Yeah, I that's something similar. I was telling someone the other day, I made an introduction that, to a, a founder here who's under underrepresented founder in Indy connected him with a, a venture capital advisory firm in, in New York, um, that was looking specifically for people like him starting companies like him. And like they, this guy flew in from New York to meet this founder friend of mine. And they're literally, I went to a restaurant and they're sitting there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're formally kicking off our relationship together. Like we signed the paperwork. I'm like, cool. And it's just like that feeling of I've had this instinct and like had this brain connection of like, I'm going to make that intro and knowing like, wow, they're both mutually adding value to each other's lives, like, and to each, each other's businesses. Like, I can't tell you what brings me I mean, there's a number of things that bring me great joy, but that's one of those things that brings me a lot of joy. And it seems like that that's fueling for you as well. Absolutely. And there's a story, I have a similar story, not quite as it's more a personal story, but I, I you know, two I was at a business event, a entrepreneur and investor event, and I introduced two people together. I found out later they got engaged and they're married now. So you never know, right? That was a I mean, I was introduced to them in a professional event, but it turned into something you know, more uh, personal, but you just never know. That makes me feel good too. I mean, you don't always hear about those things. Uh, it's nice that people let you know what happens from those introductions, but I don't hear about a lot of that. But I, as long as, and, and I try, as when you make introductions to people, you stay fresh in their minds. So it, it can come around again. So if, you know, they, if, there's, if they think of you, they may introduce you to someone, or if you have an ask, you, you finally need something, then you ask them and usually they're going to be open to it because you've provided that support previously. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think just keeping that discipline of continuing to do it, even when you don't see the outcome, you know, it's, I mean, there's a lot of experiences in life that are like that, where you're just like, I'm doing the same things over and over. I'm showing up, I'm giving my best and not seeing much, you know, the outcome, but man, when you, when you do get to see the outcome, uh, it's beautiful. But then also I think there just has to be this deep trust of like, yes, like you said, you're, you're doing 
the right thing, you're you're making those links um, where you can. So another thing I like I like to ask is, and this this is based on a lot of the stories I've heard from people like you. It's based on my own story, but when you take that step out um, into like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do my own thing in, as an entrepreneur, you get you see like the the best part of you, and I think you've been sharing what I perceive as like just getting to know you. Like this is some of the best parts parts of you, but then you also see kind of the worst parts of yourself or the the lowest parts of yourself. And um, because sometimes it's really hard, you you might be going against the grain. You face rejection. You learn hard lessons. I'm curious for you, like what's been one of those like difficulties that you know or something that's been exposed about yourself that you're like, man, that's, this is a lesson that I needed to learn or something that I didn't, I didn't want to know about myself. <laughs> as I launched the fund particularly, or. Um, yeah. I mean, just as you stepped out, launched the fund. Um, yeah. What's been, what's been challenging or what's, what's been a hard lesson that you had to learn personally. Yeah. Yeah. And it it may not, it's something I knew, but it really, I think probably accelerated or accentuated itself is I'm involved in so many things and I have a hard time saying no. I want to support entrepreneurs as much as I can. And a lot of it is volunteer. And I have, you know, I've realized I have to take a step back from some of that stuff so I can focus as much effort as I can on the fund, for example, or on a particular thing I need to do. And I think sometimes you know, I, I I like to get involved and help where I can, but sometimes I take on too much. And you know, as you're building a company, you got to zero in on focus on those things and and stop doing some of those things that may not help you move that effort forward. So that to me, you know, I knew that was happening, but I think it accelerated itself when I actually launched the fund, and I knew that I just needed to take a step back on some of those efforts because you can say yes to everything and be every day you're going to be bogged down with helping people or doing volunteer. But for me, I realized I needed to take a step back on some of that. And I can always take a step back on some of that because there's always opportunities. But I, I know that I, one, one thing, big thing I learned is I just can't say yes to everything, even though historically I have, because that opens the door to opportunities to meet new people. And I have to really think about that more now. Is this going to take away from what I need to do for this day or whatever? So I still, I evaluate things a little bit more than just saying yes all the time. Yes. What has empowered you to say no? Well, I mean, if you have certain deadlines that you want to make for, that you have to do, maybe where you have to get through due diligence and, and make a decision by a certain time for an investment, you know, then you've got to block things out or push things off to, to later. So sometimes it's around, it's deadlines. It's also being able to zero in on just all the things you need to run a business. And so you've got to, again, stop some of the things that are not productive. Um, for me, a lot of the stuff I do feeds the funnel to the fund, you know, for opportunities, but I also can't do everything anymore. So it's just being able to focus and, you know, that that's, it's hard to do that sometimes because it all kind of feeds into each other and I want to help wherever I can, but sometimes you just can't do as much of that anymore. So I'd say going virtual, uh, you know, or it's a more a normal way of doing things has saved a lot of time for me. At the same time, I'm doing more virtual stuff than I would have done before, but it, it 
it allows me, I don't have to drive everywhere anymore. I still believe in in-person interaction, but I don't have to do it for everything anymore. So that's the other thing I learned in this whole process. I don't have to take every meeting in person anymore. And, and so doing a call like this or a virtual call is fine. Um, there's no reason to take every, every first meeting in person. Yeah. That's, that's something I I've heard people reflect on a lot of, you know, like in a way, most founders, whatever company it is, you know, tech startup or not. I mean, you almost have to say yes to everything right away. It's like, say yes to your customers, say yes to every opportunity with an investor, you know, any, anybody that's interested in hearing your pitch, learning about your product, it's like, say yes. But then as you grow, get more interest, gain more revenue, et cetera. It's like the art of saying no, I think becomes increasingly important. I, I don't know about you, but for me, it's required a lot of personal work because I think I found my identity um, very much so in just in saying yes and helping. Uh, so has that been a part of your journey? It's really hard for me too. I'm like you. I say yes to almost everything as well. And I, I want to be supportive, but people, everyone can come after you. And, and I'm not saying people have taken advantage of you, but your time is taken away. You can never get time back. I still, but I, yeah, I participate in office hours with different accelerators. I want to be supportive of these programs. And maybe I meet some founders I can support through the fund or elsewhere, but, but it's hard. Um, you know, I'm not, if I have to drive a couple hours to do something, for example, I, I probably will think twice about that. I mean, I, in the past, I would have said, yes, I'll do it. I probably won't do as many of those anymore because that is just a time. It takes a lot of extra time. So I, I still have a hard time with it. I'm not going to lie, but I, I also am not going to go too out of uh, the way for time's sake to do something because time is limited. I'm busier now than I was before because when things are virtual, there's more meetings you can have. And, um, but I'm, I, I want to be approachable. That's something about me is I, I want to be approachable for people. So as an example, when people reach out to me on LinkedIn, if they don't, I, I always ask, I always tell people you should qualify why you're reaching out to someone to connect. But I get a lot of people that reach out to me that don't qualify it. I always respond and say, hey, let's have a conversation before we connect so we get to know each other. That way it's not just a connection for connection's sake. Maybe half the people respond back and say, great idea, let's talk. I have a conversation, then I connect. The other half, I don't connect. They don't respond. I want this to be a two-way conversation. And if they don't find value in wanting to talk to me, then why should we connect? And I've met a lot of great people that way by having those conversations. So you know, people have to put a little effort into building their relationships. And I, I feel strongly about that. And I've met a lot of... I've met... I mean, every day people reach out to me on LinkedIn. So I have a lot of requests to connect on LinkedIn, but I don't talk to everyone. In the past, in the early days when I was, I was one of the first users of LinkedIn, I was the first one of the first 8,000 users. So the, I think LinkedIn launched in 2001. Uh, I would actually, you know, it wasn't a lot of connections to request or connection requests, but I would ask people, let's meet in person for lunch or coffee. These are people in the Chicago area when I was working downtown. I could never do that now. <laughs> But that's a different time period. I wasn't getting five, 10 requests a day. Um, so anyways. Yeah. So I like to think too, another strategy is 
weird trained, I think, especially in the early days of starting something of like, figure it out yourself, do it all yourself. Um, and then as we build teams, you know, you, you've got people that can support to, to take some of that off your plate and typically, hopefully they're much better at it than, than you are anyway. So talk a little bit about kind of the team that you've built around yourself at Propellant. Yeah. So, so right now I'm the the sole partner, but I've got some venture partners, venture advisors, venture fellows. And so, you know, as, as things are needed, you know, they help where they can. So some like the venture fellows will help with due diligence. And so venture partners help think through strategy or make introductions to investors. Venture advisor uh, will help with some strategy as well. And so, so it varies. I mean, we're still building the team and we're, but we're still building the, the company as a whole, but, uh, but we, you know, as, as there's uh, needs, I'll, I'll have people help, but um, it's not a, not a, uh, not everyone's full time at this point, but it's, um, but people help where they can, they want to be involved in venture. So we bring people in to help us. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for clarifying that, like where you are currently. And um, I just, I think, you and I both have probably in the seats that we've sat in have seen, we were talking about this before we hit record, just we've seen entrepreneurs and sort of the, the, the MO is like, okay, you've got to basically run yourself into the ground to be successful. Like I, I talked to a prominent venture capital firm. Um, one of the head people there here in Indiana where we're located and I pitched this idea of what I'd call like sustainable entrepreneurship with and building companies without burnout. And he, he looked at me and said, Daniel, you know, I'm from a human perspective. I'm all about that from a business perspective. If I was to boil down, you know, the characteristics of entrepreneurs that we want to invest our funds into, like, I would basically tell you they're like, they need to be crazy. Uh, and, he, I was like, okay, define what you mean by crazy. And he said, you know, what I mean by that is just, they're going to like tirelessly. And I, I think he even used the word like neurotically, you know, figure out how to solve this problem with their product or service and whatever it takes to get that done. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Cause that's one of the things in, in this savage to stage conversation we have is, is it is it possible for there to be another way where people can be you know venture backed companies that also you know build successful companies but also you know take care of their bodies have gr- good family relationships you know maintain their mental health you know, that type of thing yeah absolutely and that's such a big part of the entrepreneurial conversation is the mental health mental health and wellness taking care of yourself getting the right amount of sleep, exercising, have nutrition. I mean, eating right. That's, it's very common for entrepreneurs to work 20 hours a day to not take care of themselves. And they don't do those essentials. I'm at fault at it too. I mean, I'm working all the time, like other entrepreneurs and you've got to carve out the time to do it. And, and entrepreneurs are at different stages in life too. So some, a lot of, you know, the average age of an entrepreneur is of a successful first time founder is over 40 and a lot of the founders have families. And so 
you've got to juggle that. And sometimes the family time is a good way to take a break. I also know founders need to move fast and move, you know, and, and build as build whatever they can as quick as they can to, to, to grow. But you have to take some time for yourself and having a family can help with that. But there are plenty of founders that take care of themselves that can still build successful companies. Now, it's still going to be a lot of work and a lot of hours, but if you can carve out a little time to take care of yourself, that's important. Some founders will not even, you know, they'll, they'll make sure if they have an office, they'll make sure they're, they're done at a certain time, go home, have dinner with their family. They don't expect that with their employees. I, I remember talking to one founder that did not expect employees to work on the weekends, even though in a fast growth environment, it's common to work as much as you need to, but uh, to, to make it work. But there was, they all, it was almost, I think this founder said, there's no communication on the weekends with our company. I will not email anyone or do anything. So you don't have to do anything. And so it, it's part of it's setting the culture, but I do believe that's pretty important because there's burnout. I've talked to founders who've gotten depressed because they're working so hard and, and, and actually, well, that's one. And there's, there's real tragedies with that. But I talked to one who had got an ulcer because he was so stressed to take care, take care of himself. He had to, he was forced to take a step back because he had no choice. And so now he runs his company differently. He takes care of himself and he expects, he also instills health and wellness with his employees too, because he had a burnout that turned bad for his health. So. Mm. Yeah. And that, one of the questions I like to end on too, and I'd be curious to hear how you answer this per- personally, and is like, how do you recharge your batteries? So if like you could take an hour t- today, you know, to do something that's going to recharge you better than anything, like what would you do? It's a good question. I try to work out a few days a week. It's not as much as I'd like to, as we just talked about, but that does help. I try, I do it in the morning. That's the best time for me before I start work, work. I work, I start early anyways, but if I do it, it's gotta be in the morning. That's super important. I also like to play golf. So if I can get out and play golf, that's always helpful for me as well. I like to hit balls and putt uh, during the week, especially in the winter, just to keep my my swing and my putt going. And that, that's a way for me to take a step back and actually do something for myself personally. And I force myself to do that almost every day, just, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day early in the morning, just to, again, spend some time for myself. I don't, it doesn't happen every day, but that's a part of my routine just to working out and, you know, practicing some of my, my golf swings and putts. And that for me, that's important. That I have a family as well. So spending some time with the family is important, of course, but personal stuff, what I mentioned is what helps sometimes to at least carve out some time for myself. That's phenomenal. Um, Thanks for sharing that. And um, we'll have to talk golf handicaps um, some point (laughs) too, because mine's pretty bad right now. Yeah. I like to ask that question and it's, it's just a good one to end on too, because I think uh, for two reasons, one, and you spoke to that, just like the our basic human needs as people i think we the myth in entrepreneurship is that you almost have to be be like neglect your humanity or become you know a superhuman to accomplish you know this like success you know which is typically especially in the venture back space is an ipo it's get a merger and acquisition like you know it's a big big payday and like you just have to 
run yourself into the ground to get there and, you know, neglect your humanity in the process. But then also, I just think, especially to remain fresh in the, in the vision of why, why it is that you're doing what you're doing, why, why you got into it in the first place, those times of recharge and disconnection are, are just so important to, to stay inspired. And then, you know, in your case, to keep, to keep showing up, to keep helping people to keep making those connections, like those times where we recharge and, you know, have that time to ourselves, like you said, just help us to stay fresh in that, that vision and to stay creative, I should say too, come up with new ideas. Like, I don't know if any of that resonates with you at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, taking a little time for yourself is super important. So when I work out, I like to watch some TV shows or movies. That's my only time I really do it. And for me, that allows me just some downtime. And so super important for me to be able to do that. As I said, I don't do it as enough as I'd like to, but at least I carve out some time during the week Um, because you need energy. So working out does provide energy and it provides confidence. You feel better about yourself. And so when I don't work out for several days in a row, I feel a little bad about myself because I, you know, maybe, maybe you're gaining a little weight, you know, you just, you don't have as much energy, but you, you definitely, uh, and I, you know, eating healthy is super important too in this whole process. And it's pretty common for founders to not eat healthy. They just eat very quick, eat whatever they can get. And also what's cheap, right? If they're, they're bootstrapping, they don't spend a lot of money on food. So um, all those things are super important. And, you know, I pay attention to it, but I, I don't act on it as much as I like to, but I know what's important. Yeah. So good. Well, you've you've given so many nuggets of of wisdom today, and um, super excited for people to um, to hear those as well as to engage with with Propellant and Founder Studio. So, if people want, excuse me, I should have said Founder Institute. Um, it's it is four o'clock here, so I'm start my energy starting to wane. Um, so, if people want to get in touch with Founder Institute, where would you point them? So you can go to the website, fi.co, www.fi.co. I'm also happy to talk to people about it as well. So there's there are cohorts running all throughout the world. They're virtual in different different times of the, the year. So you can, you can apply anywhere. You know, the Midwest, we're focused on the Midwest for our Chicago cohort, but you can apply anywhere. Yeah. And for propellant, you know, if there's someone that's listening here, our our audience, as we've done the analysis, is largely going to be, you know, founders, entrepreneurs in in the Midwest. And so where would you point them to, if they might want to connect with Propellant? Yeah, so you can go to our website. It's propellant.vc. So www.propellant.vc. It's P-R-O-P-E-L-L-A-N-T dot V-C. And you can, of course, can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. And tell me how you, tell me how you heard about me. Uh, that way, I know to connect with you. Great. Well, thank you so much, and um, we'll include all that in the show notes as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.